Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. This morning we'll read verses four through six. In three weeks, we will celebrate baptism at Lake Ellen, and we will come back to our study in 1 Thessalonians after that baptismal service. But for the next three weeks, I want us to get ready for one of River of Life's most exciting events, and that's baptism. And the passage I'm about to read really highlights the importance of baptism along with a host of other things. Please follow along as I read Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's a great passage of Scripture. It's very brief, but boy... Does it say a lot? And one of the things I, I love about this Ephesian passage of Scripture is that it makes it very simple, very clear, and very easy to understand this. That the most important things in life, when it comes to the most important things in life, there's just one. Think about it with me. As we think about this text, there's just one body. Just one body. There's just one family of faith. We could say there's just one universal church. I know there are people who don't believe that and don't understand that, but they also don't believe their Bibles. There's just one body of believers. And when a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, they become a part of that body. They become a part of the family. And one of the things I love about River of Life Church is that we're an interdenominational church. Denominations have divided and split the people of God far too long. Amen. I'm glad to be in a church. We don't care. We really don't care whether you're Methodist or Baptist or Episcopalian or, or Catholic or charismatic, or charismaniacs. <laughs> Do we have any charismaniacs in the building? Yeah. yeah, I thought we did. Yeah, yeah. We love all of you. We love you if you're loud. We love you if you're quiet. You know, what makes us brothers and sisters in Christ is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood that unites us is thicker than the water that divides us. We are one body. We are one body. Have you ever heard somebody say that you can 
choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You ever heard that? You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Somebody else does that for you. Choose your friends, but you can't pick your family. I want you to know it's no different in the spiritual family. We don't get to choose our spiritual family. You see, when a person is born again, they become a part of our family. The family of faith. If your worst enemy in this county comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the next time you see him, you have to say, Welcome, brother. Next time you see her, Welcome, sister. You see, we are brothers and sisters in the faith. And I'm proud to be a part of a church that understands that and emphasizes that, and we probably need to step that up a little bit. Just start, just start loving on people. And when you run into somebody who's been captured by the narrow-mindedness mindedness of, uh, of human preachers who are not preaching in the Spirit and they close you out because they're in a certain denomination, just love them anyway. Just love them. Just show them some affection. Let them know you care about them. I read a little poem years ago that says, He drew a circle that shut me out, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took Him in. Just love them, people. We're one body. Just one body. Now notice this. One Spirit. That's what it also says. One Spirit. One Holy Spirit. One wonderful, magnificent, marvelous, powerful Holy Spirit. One Holy Spirit. Now there are many spirits, but there's just one Holy Spirit. I pray all the time. I reject every spirit except the Holy Spirit. I don't want any other spirit on me. I want the Holy Spirit on me. Don't you? The sweet Holy Spirit of God. There's one body. There's one Spirit. How about this? There's one hope. There's one hope. Just one. You can call me narrow-minded if you want to, but there's just one. One hope. All the other ways are fraudulent. All the other ways are empty. All the other ways are deceptive. All the other ways end up in disappointment. There's only one hope that leads to heaven. Just one hope. Just one. One body, one spirit, one hope. How about this? One Lord. One Savior. One Redeemer. One who's qualified to lead and guide and direct and shepherd our lives. One Lord Jesus Christ. There's just one Lord. Man, you got to love it. How about this? One faith. Just one faith. One way of truth. One pathway that leads to truth. Just one faith. One baptism. See, there's just one sign, one symbol, one experience. There's just one thing that we do that marks the beginning of our journey into this one way of truth. It's called baptism. And then finally, there's one God. There are not many gods. There's one God, one supreme being who's over all. And He's in all of us who put our faith and trust in Him. You see, that, that's what the Bible teaches. 
That's what the Bible says right here. Now, perhaps somebody here today would like to ask me this question. Pastor, do you really believe that your way is the right way and all the other ways are wrong? I prefer to say it this way. I believe the Bible. And the Bible makes it crystal clear, there's no misinterpreting this, that there's just one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Amen. Just one. So, uh, I, I, I just got to tell you, if I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says. If you want to accuse me of anything today, accuse me of believing the Bible. Because I'm guilty. Anybody else here guilty of just believing what God's Word says? Yeah, we believe the Bible, don't we? We're Bible-believing people. We believe that this book is the full and final authority for life. It's the supreme source of knowledge and understanding. We believe the Bible. You see, friends, if the Bible is true, and it is, then there are not many ways to get to heaven. There's not even two ways to get to heaven. There's just one way. One way of hope, one way of truth, one way that leads to life eternal. Now, when Paul was ministering to these early churches, he taught them about the oneness of our faith. The fact that there is just one way. It's just one. That, that's what he taught. Why? Because the enemy was coming in and trying to confuse people and get them all stirred up and believing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's still doing that today. But thank God, the Word of God is clear and powerful and stronger than all the deception of the enemy. And for those of us who really believe the Bible, we still believe there's one way. There never has been but one way. There never will be but one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. One way. You know, I thought it would be good this morning. Pull that back up. Uh, I thought it would be good this morning if we as a congregation stood to our feet and made a public confession of faith. We'll just agree with what the Bible says. Would you stand with me right now? We're going to start right at the top. Are you ready? Now, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do it. But you're coming into agreement with what the Word of God says. Let's do it together. We believe. We believe there is just one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When I was in Bible school, there was an Old Testament professor that I loved. He was a, a sweet, gentle, godly man until he gave us a test. And his tests were brutal. And not only were his tests bad, he was terrible about giving pop tests. We would go into his class. One time I think I went to his class nine times in a row and we had a pop test every morning for nine class sessions. We, he, he had us all paranoid. And what he would do is he'd always start with a word of prayer and he was just so gentle and kind. And then he'd say, get out a half sheet of paper. And it just, you know, you could just feel the dagger going through your heart. And then he would ask questions and sometimes it wouldn't have anything to do 
with the assignments. But he was getting us ready for ministry. I remember one day he said, get out a half sheet of paper. He said, uh, put everything else off your desk. He said, I want you to write one word down. And he said, the test is a spelling test, see if you can spell it correctly. He said, here it is. He said, I want you to spell the word Habakkuk. I thought, what in the world? Habakkuk? And, and, and then he, he said, actually, that's not the correct pronunciation of Habakkuk. You know, there's a prophet named Habakkuk. He said the proper pronunciation is Habakkuk. I don't think anybody in the class spelled it correctly. None of us. Raise your hand if you can spell Habakkuk. Uh-huh. You would have failed too, right? Yeah. It, it, it was rough. By the way, I, we knew that everything that was on the pop test would probably show up on the final exam. I learned how to spell Habakkuk. To this day, I can spell Habakkuk. Sometimes I can't hardly spell my name, but I can spell Habakkuk. H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I've pastored a church that had some Habakkuk's in it. (laughs) What if, I I just want to ask you a what if question. What if, when you had come into the worship center this morning, what if we had handed each of you a half sheet of paper, and I said, we're going to have a pop test this morning. And here's the pop test. I want you to write down the seven most important unifying things about our faith. I want you to write down the seven most unifying important things about our faith. I think, I think some of us would have gotten some of these. I mean, we understand, okay, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father. But I want to ask you a question, because I know I would have failed this. I would have, had I not known this scripture was here, I would have failed this. How many of you would have written baptism down on that sheet of paper? I wouldn't have. I mean, think about it. There's one body. There's one spirit. There's one hope. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one God. But he puts in there, there's one baptism? One baptism? Isn't that interesting? How did baptism get in that list? How did baptism get elevated to that level of importance in the Word of God? Why didn't He put the Lord's Supper service in their communion, the Eucharist? Why didn't He put that in there? I mean, it's sacred. We do it together. It has great symbolism. It's an amazing thing. How about fellowship? Or how about Bible? Why isn't Bible in there? There's just one Bible. How did the word baptism get in that list? And why is the word baptism in that list? And the answer to that question is this. Because baptism marks the beginning of your journey into this one way of truth that's following the one Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to get you to see how important baptism is to be put in that list. It is is absolutely amazing. 
You see, baptism marks the beginning. It's the starting point. It, it, it says to the world, I've given my heart and life, my everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm following Him now. It, it says I'm all in, if you please. Uh, GodQuestions.org is a wonderful website. I hope you can remember that. I, I don't know if I gave that to you or not to put on the board, but did I? Yes. Okay. You should write that down. GodQuestions.org. It is an amazing website. I go to it all the time. Uh, and I highly recommend it. This is what it says about this. The word baptism always means to submerge or immerse. So when baptism is discussed, it involves a person being totally submerged into something else. Baptism implies being all in. It also implies that a change has taken place. Baptized people are changed people. It goes on to say, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Believers, about one baptism, he was reminding them that regardless of their background or nationality, they all served the same Lord, shared the same faith, and had experienced the same baptism. Baptism. Highly important. It's something that we all have in common. By the way, if you've ever been baptized, hold your hand up. Hold, hold, just hold them real high. Yeah, look around you just for a second. Man, we are a baptized body of Christ, aren't we? We've been baptized. It's unifying. It is a common denominator. It is a unifying... You can put your hands down now. Uh, it, it is a unifying experience. I tried to come up with something. Some worldly illustration that would highlight the importance of baptism. Nothing is adequate. N nothing is adequate. Uh, so, maybe this will help. Certainly not adequate. But baptism is kind of like a, a football jersey. And, by the way, it was not a good day for football in the state of Florida, was it? <laughs> Oh, well, maybe Miami. Miami fans, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. But north of Miami, things were not real good yesterday. Baptism's kind of like a, a football jersey. You know why you wear football jerseys? So you can be identified as being a team member, right? I, I remember when I was in high school, I remember the coach passing out the jerseys. And I remember him giving me a jersey. And I remember getting that jersey. And I almost wore that jersey out, not on the football field, because I just wore it every day. I was so proud of my football jersey. I wanted to wear that football jersey. Baptism is kind of like a football jersey. It identifies which team you're on. It says, I'm on this team. I belong to this team. When, when you are baptized, when you go down into the water, buried with Christ, you come up out of the water, raised in the likeness of Christ to walk in newness of life. You do that in front of a large crowd of people. It's like putting that jersey on. It's like identifying yourself as a child of God who has found the one way, the one truth, the one life that comes through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. You see, when you get baptized, it identifies you. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, are you saying to me that if I have not been baptized by water, that I'm not a part of the family of faith? And the answer to that question is, no, I'm not saying that. I would never say that. Not at all. I'm just saying that you haven't put your jersey on yet. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that you have not openly and publicly and unashamedly identified with countless millions of people who are on the same journey you're on. I'm just saying you haven't yet celebrated the most important event in your whole life, and that is your salvation experience. And baptism is a way of celebrating that. So very important for you to do that. To be baptized. You see, friends, when you meet the one Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one and only Savior of the world, and He gives you a new heart, He gives you a new life, He gives you a new hope, and He baptizes you spiritually, He plunges you spiritually, He immerses you spiritually into the family of faith, and you have a life-changing spiritual experience, it just doesn't make sense. To say, no, I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to do the one thing that identifies me as a child of God. That doesn't make sense. And I want to tell you, from the beginning, it was a part of the explosive beginning of the church on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Listen to this verse, Acts 2.41. Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls got saved that day. I want to ask you a question. I need you to respond. This is very important. Because I want you to dream big. Wouldn't you love to have a baptism service at Lake Ellen and 3,000 people get saved? Wouldn't that be awesome? You talk about changing a county. You talking about rocking the school system. You talk about revolutionizing the government. You talk about turning everything upside down for the glory of God. You let a move of God take place in this church, this county, the churches in this county, and you let 3,000 people get saved and baptized in one day. Because that's that's what happened. 3,000 souls. So, you would like to see that, right? You'd like to be there, right? Are you sure? Really? I did a little math. If you baptize one person every 30 seconds, you could baptize two in a minute. You could baptize 120 in an hour. It would take us 25 hours to baptize 3,000 people. Are you with me? You're going to stay with me for 25 hours? Huh? Are you going to stay with me for 25 hours? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, we're going to get you some help. We're going to baptize 50 at a time. And that would be a great thing. But I'm just trying to get you to understand that this is important business. I don't know how they did it on that day of Pentecost 
When the Spirit fell and 3,000 got saved, but it was so important that they went to the water and they took the time, they took the hours necessary to baptize those new converts into the body of Christ. Highly important. I read about one church recently in the United States that had one weekend they baptized 800 people. 800. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about this already. We usually baptize, what, 40, 50, 60 people uh, at Lake Ellen? And it's exciting. I, I want to see a revival in my lifetime where we have to stay all day at the lake. I do. I'm, I'm just saying. Now, you, you may think, Pastor, don't you think you're making too big a deal over this thing about baptism? I don't know. You tell me. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Simon Peter said in Acts 2, 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's incentive enough right there, isn't it? The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then here's my favorite passage of Scripture on the subject. Acts twenty two sixteen. And now what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. Would you read that with me? Can we read it together? And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. I want to ask you, just from the bottom of my heart, what are you waiting for? If you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if He has forgiven you and come into your heart, what are you waiting for? Isn't it time for you to be baptized? And then here's another one. What if you're not sure about your salvation? Or maybe you got baptized as a child and you're not sure it was real baptism. What are you waiting for? Why don't you give your heart to Christ? Why don't you trust Him as your Lord and Savior? Why don't you say, today is the day? Why don't you put your name on that list to be baptized at Lake Ellen? What are you waiting for? Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.